0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Catherine Hernandez. Um, I was born in New York City. I was born. Oh wait, should I do that again? Because you're that. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. Sorry. <laughs> I was be like, Los palos. <laughs> Later. No. Why you love palos? Remember I told you, because I just feel so connected to the African ancestry. I just feel like these spirits are just like in the room and like, you know, women, because you know, women are goddesses in this freaking earth, especially like African women. Like, I love those voices of like, I just feel like my ancestors are like out here and just blessing me and talking to me. I really, that's how I feel because. I don't I didn't grow up listening to Los Palos. We grew we listened to every other Dominican type but Los Palos. Why? So I like hearing that because I want to be connected to that, regardless if my family wants to educate me or not. It has actually, it it has taken me a while to be a proud Afro-Latina because my, you know, the way I was raised and the Dominican culture, a, lo, a lot of people in the Dominican culture are very they go against being proud of the African um, <clears throat> roots of Dominican Republic. Um, so it wasn't. It wasn't until like I was in high school where I realized I was like, oh, I was African because I was so brainwashed by the idea that like Dominican people were like better. They weren't African. They were, you know, like they were just like a higher class from that or. You know, we were a little lighter or whatever and we weren't them because that's literally what I had been brainwashed thinking like, don't date black guys and, you know, perm your hair. So everywhere, just everywhere, it was just coming at me. And it was just like, it was really hard to be like, like break that wall or whatever, shatter that and be like, no, I understand. Like I, that's when I stepped out and be like, I need to learn more about this. Like, no, we are African. My hair is beautiful. You know, like, no, I can date whoever I wanna date. Like, black is beautiful. My name is Catherine Hernandez. I was born in New York City, specifically in Manhattan. I was born on June 28, 1994. And my aspirations are um, happiness, peace. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I guess, yeah, to live a fulfilling life. I definitely wanna leave and I wanna have that space um where i can write novels and where i can design my own clothes so it's so like i would just be an entrepreneur ideally i would have like a small shop um you know or a showroom where i would have my things and um i would just be all over the place cuz i have always been all over the place but again i'd be like a writer a fashion person like the best mom in the world if it gets to that point. <laughs> um you know, just like a yoga instructor. I would I see I just know I'm always gonna be like a person of all trades. So there's always just gonna be different things going on. I can't I can't tell you like one thing that would be happening in my life, but I would ideally I would be very happy with and calm about my space and what do I what I let influence me. So I grew up in Ridgewood, Queens. Um, and it's a very condensed Spanish community right and in a way i grew up very sheltered um because that's like all i saw with spanish people i'm spanish and i didn't really i really didn't know for a long time that there were like other ethnicities, shockingly um in new york city i'm so serious until i started high school and i was allowed to get on the train everything was pretty much local for me um i guess it was it's always been me my mom and my sister my mom didn't really let us go out much, so I was really sheltered. She's very fearful of like the world outside. Like she just thinks like as soon as we step out the door, there's danger, and these are her babies, you know? Like <laughs> like I remember when I like all all the way up to like I think was I in college by then, like my mom, I had a job at a frozen yogurt shop um in the West Village. And uh, I would get out because it was like it closed at like 12 a.m. because, you know, drunk white people somehow want yogurt at 12 a.m. And it would close at 12 a.m. and so I would get out of there by 2 p- 2 a.m. And she would legitly take the train to come pick me up every night. Um, just to make sure I got home safe like I was already like 17 you know at the time and she's still doing this so you could already get a sense of like how you know protected she was of us and you know Ridgewood Queens wasn't it wasn't necessarily like a bad neighborhood that you felt like your daughter couldn't go a few blocks away and you know something it was a relatively like safe neighborhood again as a single mother she just she wanted yeah she was honing down her babies. My mom is from Dominican Republic. She grew up in a small village in like the Campo, which is like up on a hill or whatever, and um, from Villa Altagracia. And yeah, they grew up their whole lives there. Um, so my mom came to the United States um, in the 80s. Um, and somehow, you know, and a lot of things were happening in the 80s here. And yet, you know, I asked her about these like revolutionary things happening that happened in America at that time and she didn't know. So, again, it's that um, kind of like in a way box that sometimes immigrants that, you know, come here, put themselves in where it's just like, it's like, hey, I came here to make money and that's what I'm here for. Forget anything that else that's going on around me. Um, and so my mom migrated here in the 80s because of my, her mother's sisters. They somehow got visas here, and it just kind of went from there. Like, everyone just started coming, like, in droves. My grandmother got lucky to bring all six of her kids, and they got a small apartment um, in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And they were literally all living there. And my mom, you know, at the time was, like, you know, in her late 20s, 30s, as well as, like, um, her other siblings. This is a lot of people in one home, but I think her sisters already had babies. So it was, like, babies and six siblings and parents and possibly even husbands all in this, like, crowded (laughs) apartment. Um, But the aspirations were, again, to make money, to escape um, poverty, in Villalta Gracia in the Dominican Republic. My childhood, and if I, okay, I was a troublemaker uh, in definitely in high school. It was, it was definitely in that phase. <laughs> um, yeah, like eighth grade, seventh grade. Um, yeah, I guess I was just rebellious against, again, that kind of protection my mother had over me. Um, so, and I just wanted to break from that. Like, I thought, you yeah, know, I was like, I'm an adult. I'm an adult. I want to have, and I guess it's also uh, viewing how other cultures al- gave their children the liberty to, like, stay up at night or have sleepovers with their friends. Um, or, you know, let's say, like, go to a party, like a teen party. Um, those aren't common in Dominican households. You know, as, even as a teen, like, my mom wasn't allowed to do any of those things so she you know brought that kind of idea here and so sleepovers never had one um you know like going to parties it would it would have to be like behind her back and i would even sneak out sometimes you know and it was we lived in a railroad apartment and i actually had to like go past her room to sneak out but i i made it happen and i sometimes and It was not even noticeable. And I might have to like barter with my sister to not say anything. And she would be like, give me $10. Since the third grade, I wanted to be a fashion designer. Um, Which is why I went to the high school and my my family was so proud of me because I've been sewing clothes on Barbies for like ever. And I've been sketching forever. So it was a big like, oh my God, she got into the fashion school. She's going to be a fashion designer. Um, That's all I wanted to be. And I didn't realize that I was still interested until a few months ago where I was like, you know what? Like, because I got disinterested in fashion because... I thought it was. I took an internship and, you know, going to the fashion industries high school, and I, I saw this like superficial, like, that was all I saw. It was like how superficial this industry was, and, you know, how much name brands mattered. And clothes, making clothes was not about that for me. It was just about making people feel good about themselves. That was, that was it. And using my creativity in some way. So, fashion industries, um, the high school was like ninety percent women and ten percent gay men, and maybe like, okay, I want to be like six percent like gay men, and then the four percent straight that literally had like a girlfriend on every floor of the high school. I'm so serious, like it was ridiculous, um, and again, it was, it was a lot. Of, it was very clicky. Right. And there were there were the girls that were like Gucci and Versace in high school. They were literally like like you see in the movie, like the goths and, um, you know, like the the guys that, uh, you know, stroke and vogue and. Um <laughs> and then, you know, they were like, you know, freshmen like me who were like still finding their, um, you know, their style and their personality and just wanted to have friends and wanted to be like popular or whatever. Um But, yeah, but, again, I was getting—I was going out of my way to look good, to have friends. And and then I was like, I hate this. Like, all my friends only like me because I dress well. Like, if I didn't dress this way, I wouldn't be liked. And I wasn't wasn't really content. Like, I was like, I don't want to do this for four years. Like, this is not me. I would describe myself as complex. Um, But I feel like—and I say— I want to say I'm also very, again, sensitive because I'm sensitive to not just the things that happen in my life, but also with the world. Um, and I'm sensitive to all this violence and hatred. And, you know, I I don't have to always experience something to, like, just be, like, really upset about it or somebody else's um, experience. Um, like, my mom has always been, like you know you shouldn't be concerned about that and and again that's another reason I feel like I have had a hard I had a hard time um when I was like 14 and 15 because I feel like I started like reading more and learning more about the world and understanding about like capitalism and you know all these things and especially like society and the uh the expectations society has for you especially, like, clicks as a teen and, like, what is relevant and why that is relevant. Like, why is wearing the latest sneakers relevant? Like, those things, I didn't understand that. But, again, it's all about, like, you know, marketing and advertising and how they're feeding, you know, these teens and, you know, what what matters, what doesn't matter at that age. So I was really conflicted with that and at an early age. So, yeah, like, I was... It was it was at an early age, I would believe so, which is why I had gone through depression at that time. Because once you step into, like, you know, these other spaces like high school and you meet, again, people from other cultures and all these other things. It's like I was fighting against, like, the, I guess, the traditional, what my mom felt like a traditional household should be and how to raise a child. So it was like this rebellious fire that turned in, like, slash anger slash... Sadness slash I don't have that slash an emptiness yeah, that I had inside me that I couldn't find within the superficial friendships we have in high school. <laughs> when I was going through that, I definitely tried to commit suicide or whatever, like I overdosed on pills and I ended up on the, in the hospital twice in a mental psych whatever psych ward so the first time was breaking point and then the second time was i was definitely on medication you go to a psychiatrist and they play with your dosage you're basically pain with your head at this point so you don't know if it's gonna you know enhance those feelings of depression and oddly if you a lot of antidepressants has has attempt of suicide as a side effect. So there <laughs> like it's ridiculous. And um so, you know, they were playing with my dosage and that's when again I had another attack and I was just like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I overdosed again. So like I was I wasn't I was I wasn't crazy. Like I wasn't bugging out. It was a matter of like I was not happy with my life. I was very like overthinking everything, overthinking my poverty, right, and the the reasoning behind my poverty. Like, what am I doing wrong that I'm poor? What is, what did my parent, look, like, what did my parents do wrong that we're still poor? Whatever it is, but like, I was in the psych ward or those two times for like two week periods or whatever. I wanted, I did want to, I wanted to stay there because it was refreshing to not to be forced out of that. Like, like the New York City lifestyle, because you can't, you know, you can't go out. But it was a, I was in a teen one. So it was just like it was people just like me, like just depressed, like, you know, whatever is going on in their home, whatever at school, things like that, who just like also try to commit suicide. and was like, you know what, this is enough for me. And so I felt in a way at home because I'm like, these are people that I relate to in some way. So it was nice. And also just to get away and be like, I'm not influenced by my mom or. Um, the negativity from my family or wherever these things were coming from, I was in a space where I was like, like, I I I can hear myself. Like, I can hear myself. I can hear my thoughts. I can think for myself. And it was very calming for me. And I was like, I didn't want to leave that space because I just felt like I was going to be thrown back into like, everything was just going to be coming at me as far as like people's opinions and you know what the expectations uh, people have of me and things like that, and all all those things were silenced when I was there, and I was like, I want to stay here. And I guess maybe that's when maybe it was that shift from like giving up entirely that I have this fire within me to be like, don't give up like that complete shift. And I'm like, I still have my moments. Right. And and I'm realizing that I don't think that's ever going to go away from me because I think too much. Um, But I think it was I think I had to do that to be like, I'm never going to give up because that's completely giving up. And it goes back to the idea of like me being like, I don't want to live any more days, to being like, well, every day has to count, right? I'm waving. I'm waving. You know, just taking it slow. Somebody show me that door just taking it slow, babe. somebody show me the rose, babe in high school i had a boyfriend who was like my first like my first love or whatever and i was obsessed with him and um, like every day was my favorite day but specifically <laughs> specifically and i was about like 15 16 when i met him so but specifically when we would um, literally cut school and walk from like 14th Street to like 60th Street, like all the way to like Central Park, just walking and like ringing people's doorbells for no reason and like buying dollar pizza and, you know, like dancing in the park and just, again, shenanigans. And I loved how kind of like in the moment and blissful it was. And I was just like, You know, we weren't spending because we didn't have any money. So we weren't spending any money. So it eliminates that idea that, like, you need money to have fun, which, uh, like, many people believe. And it's just, like, it eliminated that completely for me, which I didn't honestly think it existed until I had met him. And I'm like, I'm literally walking the entire day from 14th Street. And I'm like, I had a blast today. And I spent, like, a dollar, which is all I had in my pocket. And I'm like, how? So that those were the moments that were most like blissful for me because there was nothing coming out of my pocket and it was a blast and till this day I still find it hard to not spend money and have a blast and I, I don't know where that shifted you know but it did you know I don't for anybody I won't say it again even though this ain't the first time i biggest influence in my life has been number one my mom both in a good and bad way because i gotta give her credit (laughs) as well as um my grandfather but my mom in the way of like if it weren't for the fact that my mom was and like she grew she raised us as a single mother she i don't know if she would have had that same kind of like fire and resilience and kind of like Unconscious feminist power to her that I that I it tr- that transitioned into me or whatever because I always saw as like one this one individual can make it. I never thought that I needed a man for anything, right? And you have a lot of women today who feel that way, right? Or who are very like submissive to their partner in some way that. And it's very, it's so true in the Dominican culture. That's in the, that's the case for my aunts. And when I went to DR recently, like, you know, women who are like, you know, the men will wake up at like 12 in the afternoon and there would be his lunch served. And maybe he might get like a foot massage later. And it's like the weirdest thing. And I, my mom was just like, no. <laughs> so, and people have sometimes given me backlash for that. They're like, they're like, <laughs> when I was in DR recently, my aunt was like, Alan, my boyfriend Alan was washing dishes and my aunt was like, she came to me. and She was like, I was, I was laying down. I need my rest. And she was like, she's like, you have your boyfriend washing dishes? How, like how, like, why would you do that? And I was like, because I washed them yesterday. So it's his turn today. And she was like, she's like, no, Catherine, you can't meet, you can't have a man washing dishes. But again, who did I get that mentality from? My mom, because You know, like, I didn't, I never saw that, she never had that submissive attitude towards, like, a man. So I gave her that for making me, like, a strong woman and being like, I can do this on my own, number one, because I saw my mom raise two girls on her own somehow and pay rent and all these other things with very low income. And two, that I don't need a man for anything. And if we are, if I am going to be in a partnership, it's going to be an equal partnership. Um, and then my grandfather on the other side, because, and I'm like, there's one thing my grandfather has always taught me, and like he's taught me a lot of things, but I'm like, like get real estate, and I'm like, I'm working on it, but um, my grandfather has taught me to always have like keep your word if you tell someone you're gonna be there at ten a m be there, you know, if you're gonna tell someone you're gonna go to that party, whatever, be there, you know, unless you really can't, but keep your word like. Whatever it is, he's like, that's the only thing, you you know, you may not have money, you may not have whatever, but, like, have your word, because that's free. So I've always, always, always tried to do that. Like, if I'm like, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. Yes, you know, things happen, and, you know, I might not mentally want to go or whatever, and, you know, I might not end up going. But, as like, as I try as much as possible to be where I have to be, you know, when someone asks me to. Um, my grandfather is a very dark chocolate man for you ladies now (laughs) he's a dark chocolate dark chocolate um man and he has white hair white curly like hair um and like white eyelashes (laughs) white mustache and he has a pot belly uh that i don't i guess he he does drink a lot but um he definitely has that round that perfect round pregnant pot belly And that I always love rubbing. (laughs) And he is, he's a very simple man as far as clothes, but he always wears his chancletas. And it's the ones that have, uh, they're kind of gladiator ones that have the, like you can see the, you can see uh, sneak peeks of his toes. His really crusty toes, old man (laughs) crusty toes. (laughs) But he wears those everywhere. And he even took them to him, like we went on vacation and he's wearing these old, you know rusty chancletas, and <laughs> so that's him, right? That's him. But when he gets dressed up, he gets dressed up, and he like my grandfather loves himself. Like you, you can never tell my grandfather anything about how he looks. Like he like stop. Like I look great. Like he just loves himself. Um, very stern, very stern. He's but he's also like he's loving to his family, but outside no i'm lying he's loving he's a joking man but he has to be comfortable with you and he has to trust you for you to see that side of him but he is very stern again a man of his word he is just like and very disciplined and but also very um religious like he always makes sure that you speak of god and you be like in god's name and things like even though he never really he's never gone to church really but um yeah he's definitely like that and very yeah compared to i love my grandpa i'm just like mm, i don't know <laughs> i think i can say so much um Listen. it has actually it it has taken me a while to be a proud Afro-Latina because I guess when I first dated an African-American, because then you have that you have that thing with like, I was like, I really like this dude, but I can't bring him to my house. Like, I can't bring him anywhere. My fam- <laughs> You know, my mom's not going to let him in the house or my aunt is not going to let him or my aunt's going to like laugh at him at the barbecue if I bring him over to the family barbecue. Um, and obviously, you know, I was I was engaged with this person and I was involved, you know, like, you know, you know, had feelings for this person. So it was just like, it was a matter of also like being like, no, I love this guy. Or, you know, I really like this guy and like, I don't care. Like, you you know, you don't care. So it was like, and then it just kind of started, I guess it started going from there. And I was just like, like, you guys are assholes. Like, why are you calling, you know, you know, my boyfriend in high school, like the, the night because... You know, like things like that, like this this, like, oh, Catherine brought the dark to the barbecue. She brought the dark and just so many inappropriate things that it's just like and I I never really saw this side of my family, really, until it really came out. And I'm like, I didn't I didn't think there could be that gross. And I was like, this is awful. And I was like, it's obviously not him. It's like it's them. And I need to figure this like I need to figure out why this is a problem why I can't date certain people because of the the color of their skin and why, like, I just need to figure this out. And I guess it went from there. It has definitely been a process of, like, reading, interacting with people who are woke and, you know, understand and learning more about the history of overall, you know, brown people, black people, just overall learning the history and understanding, like, the systems and why why my family, they're victims of a system that has, you know, helped them believe That, you know, lighter is better or whatever, you know, especially with Spanish people. It's just like, remember, that was already, these people, I see my family as a victim of that. In the sense of, like, they don't, they were told these things. And they were told to believe these things. And it just filtrated through generations and generations. The struggle is real. And if any Afro-Latina is ever listening to this, please, 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 just keep fighting your family whoever is telling you otherwise just keep fighting them and learn how to love yourself because a lot of these you know these things with um you know racism and internal racism in the latina culture is just like bro just stop it because till this day like my mom I remember what was it two years ago my mom was like I was like oh what do you want for Christmas and she was like the only thing I want for Christmas is for you to perm your hair so yeah so it's a struggle you know especially when you have you know people that you love dearly you know still telling you these suppressive or whatever ideas and it's a struggle but keep going for it I'm very proud of having the mentality that I have in the sense of like I'm very driven and I'm very passionate and I'm you know, obviously I have my fears and things like that, but I'm very optimistic. Um, And I'd be like, I can do that. Like, you know, and I have, everybody has their doubts, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um <laughs> And I'm very grateful. However that manifested within me, I'm very grateful for because, like, a lot of people don't have that. And which stops them from, you know, their, you know, being the best they can be at whatever it is that they want to be and living the best lives that they can live and not have like not having having that thankfully that I do it's like it it has you know worked for me and will continue to work for me and however again that happened like I am super grateful for the people that have influenced that within me because like where would I be right where would I be without that like and just the thought that I wouldn't have done You know, the scholarships that I've gotten and, you know, the trips that I've taken and things like that, like, without that mentality or whatever of being like, I can be in those spaces. I can be in those white spaces. So, so, yeah, so I was getting my associates in culinary arts um, at New York City College of Technology, and I saw a pamphlet at the department kind of like bulletin board, and it said this like Haku internship. And I was like, I wanted to travel. So I was like, yeah, I'm down for that. So I definitely, um, I put in my essay and stuff and I got accepted. And I was super excited because prior to that, I have been, I had gone, like I had traveled out of the country to Dominican Republic to meet my deadbeat dad, but (laughs) um, I've never like done anything like, you know, on a professional level, like traveling for something like that. Um, And so I was, I was 17 or 16 at the time. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, I believe 17 though. Um, And yeah, they were like, we're going to give you room and board at TCU, which is Texas uh, Christian University. Um, And I stayed in one of their rooms and they were like, we're going to give you your flight, which was another $800 uh, because it was still last minute. And they were like, we're going to if you finish the internship, we're going to give you $2,500 when you come back and you're going to get $13 an hour while you're working there. Talk about a deal. I was 17. I was like hell yeah and I was going somewhere I've never been you know middle of America or whatever somewhere I've never been before and my mom was just like no you're not doing it she's like no 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 because it was a three month uh I had to be there for three months no 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 and I was like yes 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 I'm going I don't care what you say like everything was paid for you have no say um and so so I did that and my mom <laughs> she flew she flew out with me for three days um, and then she came back and she she was like, no, my daughter, I don't know where she's at. Like, whatever. but it was it was really dope. Like, you know, I was in one of their dorms and I had I got an opportunity to uh, build a corner portfolio along like an award winning chef in um, Texas. It was so long ago. I don't remember her name, but I remember she was like, you know, top notch over there. Um, and I was doing like catering with her for the football games because TCU is one of those um, schools big on football and like everybody. A lot of people like college students know them across the country as like this football university. And so I did that and I got back and then I was like, I want more of this. Like, I want these opportunities. So I got back and I became really cool with the studying abroad coordinator at uh, City Tech. She is an angel. Again, don't remember her name. (laughs) But she was she really she really goes out of her way to make sure that kids get these opportunities. And she hooked me up and she kept sending me applications. And um, because of her, I got awarded ten thousand dollars in scholarship money to study abroad again in Florence. And I was like, hell yeah. And so that was, I believe, after I got my associates, like the last semester, um, I went to Florence and I studied abroad at the Florence University of the Arts And I was there for a month. I studied abroad again in Rome, right, through the scholarship for another month. I was definitely doing like internships and things that such and working in the industry as a cook uh, in restaurants, which was another roller coaster, an emotional one and a physical one. Um, I remember like I stopped because I, I kept getting carpal tunnel yeah I kept getting carpal tunnel waking up in the middle of the night at like one a m because like I couldn't feel my hands like you know when you're in a kitchen, you're just caught up in the moment and so you're you're um you're really like hurting your wrist, and so I would wake up like you know one a m in the morning and be dumping my like hands in ice and stuff like that, and I was just like, i can't do this anymore so that's when I transitioned into food writing, and I started writing for my college newspaper, and that was effing dope and my stories were getting out there they were in the newspaper like I loved it it was the best time and then I was like I want to do this and that's when I pursued a bachelor's degree in food journalism and I completely shifted my focus um, as far as career wise so I started looking into scholarships for that I'm like okay who's giving scholarships to food journalism, like stuff like that. And that's not necessarily a major anywhere. I created that major through the CUNY baccalaureate, um, (laughs) CUNY BA program, (laughs) the name is so long, at the Graduate Center where they allow you to attend any CUNY school that you want to go to um, and take classes and create your own major and decide what classes you want to take that fit best for that major. There there has been so many scholarships I got no's from, so many, and it's been like, Happy. It's been a roller coaster, like happy times and times where I'm crying because I'm like, I worked my butt off for that essay, you know, and I was I would designate a certain amount of time to apply for scholarships right from freshman year in college to my last semester like I would literally sit at the computer for like five hours sometimes just browsing 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 Um, and putting it writing a to-do list of like all the scholarships that I want to apply to their deadlines like I was yeah and I would be at the writing center every week because again my writing once upon a time and maybe still today is not that great especially my grammar and you can't be fucking up your grammar and these essays i'd be at the at the writing center you know and working with a tutor every week so she can revise my application and it would just be back and forth every week until i would be able to send it and you know so it was even harder for me because when i got those notes i'm like damn i was at the writing center every week son like shit but um it is what it is and then i'm happy for the ones that i got right what i like about writing is creating um expression like the fact that i can express myself and that i have a voice um always being the quiet girl even though people you know now see me as like loud but that that obviously took a long time it took me a long time to get here um and so so yeah so so i've been to california i've been to spain I've been to, like, local as well, like, D.C. I've been to Texas for three months. Um, I've been to um, Philly. I've been to Italy twice. I've been to the Dominican Republic. Um, And so it's changed me in the sense of, like, you really, like, you know people live another way, but until you experience it, you're like, oh, my God, like, people live another way, and this is not... New York City is not, like in this rat race or whatever, um, it's not the way to live. Like people have so much healthier lifestyles and, you know, kind of like, you know, I'm not going to do that. Like, Like in Italy, they take a siesta, you know, like people close down their stores midday. Like from, I don't know, I don't remember what time, but it was like, like prime time in New York City, like 12 to one where people want their lunch and people close down their restaurants to like nap and like eat with their family. And like you would, you know, I was, I walk up to the apartment and you can see like their windows are open and like people are eating with their families. And like, that is so dope to me. That's so important. And why don't we have that here? And just like, (laughs) you know, and just so many other things that are so wrong with the New York City lifestyle, and I'm just, like, being being exposed to that was really refreshing because then I could be, like, okay, this is not it. I can I can choose, like, where, you know, the space I'm at doesn't have to choose for me, but, like, I can choose. There's always that, I like, I can choose how I want to live and if I want to enter another space because... But, you know, in living here, you think that this is it. Like, this is it. This is the best because people they romanticize New York City and it's like no sweetie I want to live till I'm 80 and I don't want to work a nine-to-five you know 50 hours a week or whatever like people legitly just like chill in other places and make a living and enjoy time with their friends and family so I don't know um I definitely struggle with failure because like what is failure like for some people failure is not having money for some people, failure, you know, so this is like failure can be so many things. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just like, I'm like, at least I try. I'd be like, go for it. Make, a, make an ass out of yourself and then be like, okay, <laughs> maybe something else. <laughs> but I, but that also goes back to like my, again, my like crazy desire for like risk taking because If you don't take risk, you're not going anywhere in life, and that's something somehow, I I don't know when I learned that, but I definitely realized it early, and so I'm like, all right, let's fail for a bit, but it's weird, it's like, I dabble with failure, like, I'm like, oh, I'm failing, but I'm here, and I'm failing, but I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and do it again, and I'm failing, but... Stopping yourself before you tried. Yes, that is failure to me, not trying. Because so many people don't even try. They already convinced themselves and it's like you didn't even apply. You could have at least like applied to that thing. So As I've come out of my cocoon of, like, Afro-Latinas and whatever, it's like, I'm loving myself more. And I'm loving all the natural aspects of myself more. And I feel definitely more free about, like, okay, I can do whatever. So, (laughs) yeah. And whoever's depressed out there, please, girl, it's gonna be okay. It really is. I just want to give everybody hugs, for real, because it's it's just so hard. And people, again, even regardless of it being taboo in the Dominican culture, like, it's just taboo overall, and that is just so annoying to me. And uh, I hate it because we're all human. Like, we get sad, we get happy, things like that. Like, it's hard, but it goes back to the rat race because everyone is so, to make a dollar, like, everyone is so concerned with how they're going to, like, literally feed themselves the next day or pay their rent or whatever that... We're so consumed with ourselves and the few bits that we have that we don't have the time, unfortunately, to help others in that way. And I I, I was actually talking because right now, I'm, you know, financially, I'm like struggling right now and things like that. And I'm transitioning. But f- whether it's for my great grandchildren or for anyone like do what you love, always do what you love, always, always, always do what you love. And if you really, really love it and you say you really love it, find a way to make it a living. Please do not settle for anything that does not allow you to wake up and be happy with your day. Grow House NYC is an arts and technology incubator in and residency for creatives of color. For more information on how you can support our organization alone. and programming, visit www.growhousenyc.org you know I mean, On the next you know, episode so of the Vanguard Podcast, it, we the talk to Darry Jackson. Even now, when I do something and I put something out and I see someone trying to do it, I reach out to them. I'm like, alright, so I maybe mean, we can work together myself why he bought himself you got two older brothers one of one good independent no the sister kept me flowers with could but they all didn't see the little bit of sadness in